0: I'm in. I get to travel to quite a few amazing places, both in the states and and around the world. The EPC. I'll tell you a little bit about it uh, here. But I want to first <clears throat> kind of warn you that you know you got a missionary who's going to do a sermon and who's also has to do a mission report in it. So I'm I'm hoping to hit this about 38 minutes into, into this. So I, I, in that 38 minutes, I really hope that you will see Jesus, that you will hear how much He loves you and how He wants. You to join him in the rescue mission of of uh, his kingdom of our broken world that has beauty in it but has brokenness in it. Um, I'm going to try to hit four areas when I this morning. Um, we're going to be looking at Paul, uh, the book of Romans, his ambition to preach the gospel where Christ was not known. Um, I'm also hoping to give you that little missionary review, uh, an overview of what, uh, what my role as a missionary and Lisa as all as missionaries, what we're doing. And I want to show you some fruit of what going looks like, what's happening with, with some of our missionaries and some of the fruit that we're seeing. And even how that fruit plays into here and that the fruit isn't just evangelism. But it's compassion and mercy and justice, kingdom stuff happening now. And then I want to close with the cost of going. Um, what will it take for Valley Hope to see Jesus transform this valley in, uh, in uh, Swananoa Valley here? Up here, if you see on this picture here, uh, do any of you recognize there's an elder up there? Can you find him? There's a, where's Rick King? You see Rick in the shady glasses there? Rick and I have uh, been blessed to know each other for quite a long time. Rick has gone on with with me on many mission trips. And, um, you know, he, he probably uh, knows more about seeing me and Lisa in some of our better days and, and whatnot. Lisa and I have been missionaries with EPC since 2012. I did youth ministry up to that point, much of it in Montreat and much of it in Bolivia, South America. And in my work as a missionary there, uh, when I was there and when... Uh, down in that region, Rick would go on on uh, many trips with me. And Rick has a famous saying that he would often ask me, what could possibly go wrong with whatever we're getting ready to do? And it was a great one because it would be like we were in Mexico. And, um, you know, one of the things that uh, you would get down there would be really, really hot. And I remember we we're about to dig this really deep ditch. And... Um, where uh, the, the idea is to put a round circle or hole about eight feet deep so they can put a water tank for this church. And we're starting to get about two or three feet down. I've got guys in there with pickaxes and shovels. And I remember Rick walks over from his project and looks at me and says, Sean, what could possibly go wrong with this problem? Because we're going down deeper with these high school guys swinging these pickaxes. And sure enough, before that day ended, we had a guy who with a, with a, got hit with a pickaxe by a certain youth worker who I won't mention. Um, and uh, to hit him right here, had to call uh, Robert Barker here because was, he was related to him and he was real worried. And he said, OK, this is what you do. Get some super glue and some duct tape. You just squeeze it together, squeeze it on there, put the duct tape on there, and I'll see him when he gets back. And uh, it was great. You know, what possibly could go wrong? Another time I went with Rick. We're down in Bolivia. And Rick is... This is uh, his first trip traveling farther down there with me. And um, he has this new medical machine that he wants to take, a CPAP machine. And he's like, before he goes, he goes, we're going to be going all over Bolivia. Will I have electricity to use this? And I'm like, oh, sure, yeah, yeah. And he goes, will that 220 work on this because it's 110? I'm like, no problem. I'll bring a little transformer. Well, we arrive in Bolivia. It was a little rough start getting into Bolivia. Um, you know, we, uh, I, we had a kid leave one of the camera bags out in the Lobby at the airport in La Paz. I had to go out. When I did, they closed the plane, the door, and they flew on to Cochabamba. Um, no problem. They got down there. It was no. You, you, they made it. I caught up with them about ten forty-five that night at the hotel. We had this third floor where our group was staying. It was an incredible one-star. I mean, when you stay at these kind of places, <laughs> we go, we go top of the class there. And um, it, people are getting to bed, and you can hear some people with showers, you know. The showers there, they have the, they're have called widow makers because it's basically, they don't have hot water heaters. They run water through this little thing. It's like a blow dryer, and plugs in, and at 220, I don't know how it works, but it doesn't kill you, but uh, it heats the water instantly. So as it goes through, it heats the water. So there's some people taking showers, and, and Rick's going, Sean, can you set my machine up? So he's laying in bed, ready to go to sleep, and I'm going, oh, I got my transformer. I plug it in. I reach down. Boom! Man, sparks fly. And it goes, the whole floor goes dark. I think the whole hotel, I wasn't even sure if whole Cochabamba went dark. But all you heard was screaming. There were girls in the shower where it instantly turned to cold water. And, and, and all I heard was Rick was saying, Sean. And I remember him going, this cost $10,000, this machine. And uh, I'm like, oh, my gosh, what's going on? Turns out I had gotten a 110 adapter for 220, and what blew up was my adapter, and it blew up. His machine was fine. It was great. But those are the things that happen on short-term mission trips. When you go, you go planning, and things just don't go like you expect them to. And, uh, you know, as you can see, this was in La Paz. Uh, you'll have to ask him about how he almost got decapitated um, coming up the bus steps, and um, uh, you can you know, also check in with him about trips that he's taken where we've, we've gone and we've seen God do great things. And, you know, as we're starting out this morning, um, I really want you to know that missions is this message is about a God who's on mission. God is trying to rescue us from the problems that we face. You're gonna hear a little bit about Islam. You're gonna see some maps with some, about Hindu. You know, Right here where we live, we have people that maybe are into witchcraft or they're maybe into alternative lifestyles or whatever. We, as Jesus followers, believe that Jesus came to fulfill what all of those things are looking for. He's come to fulfill what Islam can't quite get. What Hinduism can't quite get. He's come to fulfill maybe what people, you know, that people are trying to talk to ancestors through black magic are trying to do. Jesus said, hey, listen, those people are going to be coming to the kingdom. You can know them eternally. We, we, so this is what I want to draw us into, this sense and that God draws us on the mission here and there. He draws us short-term and he draws us long-term. Um, Valley Hope, you got a great chance coming up on a trip to India. Uh, we have, I'm going to uh, just use their initials because this is going to be recorded, but we have missionaries S and Z who are working in India, and we're going to be taking a team um, to India. Tim, you've got applications right there. Tim and I are helping lead this trip. We'd love to have you come. Um, uh, By the way, what could possibly go wrong? (laughs) I mean, it's going to be hot and humid. Uh, It will be hotter than you've ever probably been. It will, there'll be more smells and Uh, Senses. Some of them will be amazing. Some of them will be not so amazing. Uh, It will be challenging towards the cultural differences. It will be interesting to how we can come along and and be beside them. So we really are, uh, I really am wanting to try to draw you this morning um, into this story of Jesus and his work around the world. Um, I want to begin here with this. uh, Let me see if I've got this working here. Uh, we're going to be looking at uh, the book of Romans. If you have your Bible, open it up. I'm going to be speaking th- from that. And this is a map of Paul's journeys. Paul was, was a missionary. He was one of the apostles that felt called to go beyond the children of Israel. He was called to go to the Gentiles. And in the book of Romans was written on his third missionary journey. He was in Corinth, um, and you can see that where we're going to begin, he's speaking to the church in Rome. Um, if you, uh, you know, as we get into this, what I really want you to grab hold of is this passion that he had for people outside his, the cultural norm. He, he was still called to go farther away. Um, and so this map, you can kind of see there's, it actually took four journeys um, he goes from Corinth, he will end up going down to Jerusalem to, to deliver an offering that they've had for some of the poor and the work of the church there among the people. And then his plan is to go to Rome and then go on to, you'll hear how he's going on to Rome. So if you will with me, uh, we're going to look at this first passage, Romans 14, I mean, Romans 15, 14 through 16. And uh, Father, I pray that as we open your word, That it would move in our life and speak to us where we are here and Lord, where you have us as a church, Lord. So there we go. I'm going to start with 14 through 16. Paul says, I myself am convinced, my brothers and sisters, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with knowledge and competent to instruct one another. Yet I have written you quite boldly on some points to remind you of them again because of the grace God gave me to be a minister of Christ to the Gentiles. He gave me the priestly duty of proclaiming the gospel of God so that the Gentiles might become an offering acceptable to God, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. So what Paul is saying in these first few passages, he's saying to the church in Rome, hey, you've got the basics. You're competent. You're able to share and teach with others. And just to make sure, I'm, I'm, I'm teaching some extra points here. And I'm teaching them to you so that I can get back to going to the Gentiles. And he's also saying my passion is for reaching unreached people, that they might be an offering of blessings to God. I want to move up to 17 and 19 here. Further on here, let's read on. Paul goes on, Therefore, I glory in Christ Jesus and my service to God. I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me in leading the Gentiles to obey God by what I have said and done, by the power of signs and wonders, through the power of the Spirit of God. So from Jerusalem all the way around to Illyricum, I have fully proclaimed the Gospel of Christ, and here I think it's really an important section of this passage. He's wanting to be very strong in saying this: instead of him connecting with Christ through his works, Paul's works, or you know connecting with Christ mainly through uh, Paul's suffering for Christ, Paul is connecting to Jesus Christ through. His righteousness, he's connecting himself to Jesus's righteousness. He's in in a beautiful way here. He's saying that that I what I'm doing is is the righteousness of Christ on me alone. He's reminding the church in Rome that Christ is the one who attains for us perfect righteousness. And this is the message that he's wanting to take to the Gentiles. He's wanting to say that the things that you're doing on your own to earn your righteousness you don't need to. It, one, it can't be completely done perfectly. And two, it's been done on the cross in Jesus. He's, he's acknowledging it. When God looks at Paul, he is seeing the perfectness of Jesus Christ. He's not seeing Paul, the greatest evangelist, or Paul, a sinner of whom I am the worst, is what Paul has said about himself. And so in these verses, I believe Paul is telling us, he's saying, it is from this righteousness of Christ that he's living out his life. Paul is compelled to respond to this grace. This grace that has come to him is thrusting him farther out, thrusting him into new neighborhoods, thrusting him towards people who have other religious or other philosophical beliefs. He's thrusting him to say, you need to hear about this amazing grace that has come to us through Jesus Christ in verse 19, Paul is speaking of how God the Holy Spirit is manifesting signs and wonders all along his path from Jerusalem to Illyricum. This is the other amazing part. It's not just what Jesus has done inside of us, but it's the Spirit of God that Jesus gives us, the Holy Spirit, that he does things through us. Right now, in our, our group of missionaries that are in, in the Middle East, they are seeing many Muslims come to Jesus Christ, and it's through Dreams and miracles that they are finding Jesus Christ. This is what Paul is talking about here. He's he's saying I want to go and I'm not. Go- I'm going in the righteousness of Jesus and I'm going through the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's read on in verse twenty. Let's um, skip here. It's still up there. 20, 20 through twenty two. It has always been my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ was not known so that I would not be building on someone else's foundation. Rather, as it is written, those who are not told about him will see and those who have not heard will understand. And this is why I've often been hindered from coming to you. You know, this might be a maybe a good place to point out something. You know, some of us in this place are called to go like Paul to farther places. And, but most of us are called to stay here. And, and we might be thinking that, uh, you know, that, that all of it you know, here has been done. I mean, when, when Paul was saying these, this part, it's always been my ambition to go somewhere else. He's not saying it's completely done. You're, you all have it off you know, here. He's saying the work still needs to happen, but he is wanting to go someplace farther. And, and in this section here, he's referencing very much an Old Testament message from Isaiah 52. He's, he's saying that here, people hearing about and seeing God, this is not his first time referencing 52 in, in the book of Romans. He also mentions it in 52.7. He says, how beautiful on the mountain are the feet of those who bring good news. And so Paul is really, he's expressing this sense that some of us need to go. There are some of our sons and daughters in our EPC churches that God is calling to pick up all that they know and go to a different land and fall in love with a different people and bring the gospel and live as Jesus followers among them. And that's what Paul is longing for here. Um, You know, Valley Hope, we are, you are involved in in global work. Uh, You are involved in what's going on. And you are part of what we're about to read in this next section, verse 23 and 24. And... uh, See if we got. Oh. Hey, help me out there, Jeremiah. There we go. But now that there is no more place for me to work in this region, and since I've been longing for many years to visit you, I plan to do so when I go to Spain. I hope to see you while passing through and to have you assist me on my journey there. And after I've enjoyed your company for a while. Paul is wrapping this up with a vision of going on to Spain. And Spain at that time isn't the same Spain we know, but it was the westward region as far as they knew of where people were, and they were expanding the gospel. And he's heading that way, wanting to be the first to plant a body of Jesus followers among the locals. And so Paul, he will leave Corinth. He will get to Jerusalem. He goes onward to Rome. And we don't really know scripturally if he actually makes it to Spain. There's no scripture reference to that, but there are historical uh, reasons to believe that he for surely did. We know that when he got to Rome, he ends up getting arrested. He's put under house arrest for two years. Uh, We believe that he's released. And then during that time, like there's about a couple many years, like up to five years that he was traveling. There's a belief that he did make it in there. But we know that that vision that he had happened because I'm standing here and you are here. Because we are the byproduct of the gospel going into Spain, into Europe. The Presbyterian you know, heritage from Scotland and Ireland, well, it came through that way. And we're fruit of that heart of this man to go and bring the gospel to these other folks. And so, you know, this is, this is his passion. And the question might be is, well, uh, have, have all the places that Paul and, where maybe, and God on his rescue mission, is it done? And that's what I'd like to switch now. We're going to kind of do a real brief uh, mission report here, and hopefully this is going here. Oh, come on. Well, I'm going to have to call it, get, Bring it up here. This briefly is the mission statement of the EPC. The, uh, the, it's really simple. We're finding evangelical Presbyterians that God is calling to start churches that reproduce among people with least access to the gospel, particularly Muslims. Since the EPC began, our focus has been primarily on uh, Muslims or Hindu, uh, and there's a reason. We're not like the uh, Presbyterian Church of America that will do missions in all places. We're not like the other ones. We focus strategically on these these unreached places uh, because they still do exist. Um, If you were to bring up this next slide here, if you were to take a map. And instead of being a geographical map of landmass, you showed a geographical map of people groups. This is what it would look like. Look at how skinny North America, Central America, Latin America is. Look how skinny uh, parts of Southern Africa gets. And look at that big area, that large area. There are over two billion people. 1.3 billion in South Asia. These are people that they have never met a Jesus follower. They haven't met someone, that's, and it's hard to imagine, but this is a map of frontier people groups that have, at this moment, no one particularly focusing heavily in these areas with these, with these people groups. There's over 2,000 people groups that have over two hundred a quarter of a million uh, that don't have any workers. There's, there's large places. And so the EPC, this is what we focused on. We're, we're focused on very much trying to help uh, continue this sense of what Paul was wanting to do of getting to the to the Gentiles. The work of it is still there. Now that I want to pause here. I don't, I don't know. I don't understand why. God, from the beginning of this story that we have you know, here in our scripture, I don't know why God just doesn't come in and just do it all himself. But from Genesis through Revelation, We have a God who's chosen to use us to join him in his work of rescue. It's it's just how it's been. It's it's how God used someone else to help me meet him. Someone else helped me to understand this. And so that's kind of where where we're at. We are are called of people to help rescue people from this, this world that was meant to be beautiful, that's been broken, to be made new again. And so that's very much what the EPC is working towards. And if we bring up this next slide here, uh, I want to just kind of sh- explain that when we go as, as EPC missionaries, we're going in primarily to plant churches. That's our primary. Our secondary will be mercy, justice, compassion. Primary is this. And so the way we do it is, this is real simplistic, but we plant people to live in a neighborhood, begin to meet people. Gather them together and begin to share, like invite them to a a disciple making Bible study. Um, Or are we just like, hey, we're going to read We're discovery Bible study where I'm not going to preach or teach. We're going to read our holy scriptures and then see what what that does in our life. Um, We call it gathering in. And as we get a few believers, we gather together. And then as they become, as they begin to, uh, you know, become sort of a church, we do this next thing. We train up. And then our ultimate vision for us, we believe we're successful when we see that community of Jesus followers sending people out to their near neighbors. And if you look, there's three words around that ring out there, co-op, Engage 2025, and I-10. And all three of those are how EPC sends missionaries out. Up until 2012, we only sent people out as co-ops. That means we're in a cooperative relationship with another sending agency like SIM, or Frontiers, or Pioneers. In 2012, they changed. They said, hey, we need to get a little bit more of our own flesh and blood involved in the direct church planting. So they began Engage 2025 and I-10. And all three of those fit into this picture. Co-op and Engage 2025 focus heavily on gathering in and gathering together. If you go out as a co-op, you're going to be under the leadership of SIM, and that's completely, You, you we just, help you, keep you accountable, you know, give a lot of prayer. We do a lot of support. If you go out and engage, it's, it's going to be us. A presbytery, a home team, will be part of that team. They are part of the story that's going on. Um, you'll see in a minute where we have some of our workers in different places. And so you, a few weeks ago, you heard Steve uh, Woodworth preach. He's I-10. He's one of our missionaries. And he, I-10 helps cover that second part, training up and sending out. And so our vision is, is that we go into these places, we're going to slow, take it takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of time. We're talking long-term, you know, 10, 15 years in some places for people to really begin to see the movement. Other times it seems God is on the move, like Lebanon. We had a team only in there a little while. Many Muslims begin to come, Jesus followers. It's, it's been amazing. But that's really the, the, the simpleness, of, as about as simple as I can kind of throw that in there uh, for you, that this is... Process of how we do this, and if you look at this next slide here, the um, this is the locations of those three different where we have workers. You guys, your your denomination, you have about seventy units. That's a, either a family or a couple or an individual that are working out on the field, and they're in, in those different locations out there. Um, and uh, just to give you a few stories, of what's going on in Lebanon? That's the uh, two two presbyteries, Gulf South and Central South are working with a church planting team in Lebanon, working with Syrian refugees. They, they have more Muslim new believers that need discipline than they have workers to help do discipleship with them. That team also has already begun to make inroads of going into Syria because wars end and regimes fall and the, go- the door opens for the gospel. And so we're now talking about how do we send teams in with maybe one of our couples and a few of the Muslim families to go back into a community and to begin to do a church plan back in Syria. Uh, This coming year, we're going to be going in with uh, some short-term trips, visiting Syria, locations where there's been a few Presbyterian churches, particularly that have held on, that haven't been wiped out, that are still in Syria and are still living the gospel, and we're wanting to figure out how we can come in and live with them in a way that we can help the, the gospel to go forward. Indonesia is another place. We have a team that y'all might have heard in the past about the sea cucumber work that we do there. it's a business' mission uh, it's a beautiful this, if you want to go someplace beautiful to be a long-term missionary it would be Indonesia uh, but we're, we, what we basically have is we have on an island we started a place where we've helped Muslim villages to begin to grow sea cucumbers to, to earn an income and they're able to get like two crops and it's just increasing their uh, you know their family, well-being tremendously. At the same time, we have church planters who are working alongside them, doing discovery Bible studies, t- uh, living, uh, t- telling oral stories of the, of the Old Testament, New Testament. They're looking for ways to be able to bring that gospel. And that, that group in Indonesia is growing now to different villages. It's growing re- really, really well. We have Pakistan. There's 10 cricket clubs. Where uh, they're bringing Muslim young men and young women in, and they do—they actually do inductive Bible studies there. Quite an interesting approach. But they're beginning to see people bend the knee and believe in Jesus. In Russia, we've got two places. One in Siberia, we actually have a legal uh, church now in Russia that uh, has just come under the care of a Kazakhstan Evangelical Presbyterian Church. It's not—you know—it's—it's our sister that we planted like 12 years ago. This church in Russia is now being mothered by this church that we started many years ago, and it's, it's growing. And in that same area, trying to reach Muslims, we're focusing on the Caucasus, which is the Caucasus is this area when, when, when I think the Tower of Babel, and they were spreading the languages out, God tripped, and He spilled all these languages in the Caucasus. There's like 15 to 20 different languages they speak from like from Chechnya up to Georgia up in this area. And So we have people going in there to begin to bring the gospel into that place. And we have a couple you'll see in a minute that we think might be landing there. In Malaysia, a difficult place for Malay, not Malay Chinese, but Malay to become a follower. Uh, God's, there's a few people beginning to become Jesus followers. And Macedonia is a new place we've just formed. Um, it's one of the presbyteries that we have. Um, on there, that's happening. There's a booklet in the back that um, you can pick it up. It tells a little bit more about what presbyteries they have, but that's happening. That's some good stuff. And just recently, we want to um, I want to show you here. This is the group. Uh, uh, I got I got to use initials. This is R and S. They are workers in India. They're going to be starting. They've started a YWAM group in Ranchi, which is if you go, you know, it, it's it's west of uh, Bombay, uh, uh, India. It's in the middle of kind of northern India. They're reaching Muslims. They're doing DTS, a disciple training school there. Um, They they are just landed. They just got commissioned. These are the newest uh, missionaries that my role as mobilizer has helped bring through the EPC this year and who are now officially appointees or on-the-field missionaries. We also have uh, um, B&G. Instead of retiring, they are redeploying and they're going to Philippines. They're going to be teaching and training at an uh, English universe, Christian university, bringing in uh, people from South Asia. You remember that big area of South Asia? They're bringing people in from there that are new believers, equipping them to go back and take the gospel to, to other places. We have, um, oops, let's see. We have, uh, okay, this, this couple, grads. They went from Montreal, went to Denver Seminary, they got counseling degrees. Um, They don't know yet where they're gonna be going, but E and and L, they are gonna be uh, right now getting ready to to learn how to reach out to Muslims in Phoenix, Arizona, and then they're hoping to launch somewhere in Indonesia or somewhere uh, in that area. Again, wanting to put their life out for a long time in some different places. Um, This is R uh, and E. They're looking towards Siberia. And uh, they they originally were thinking there. Now they've s- transitioned more towards the caucuses, and uh, it's going to be exciting. He's a, 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 he's got his engineering degree in like gas corrosion. He's a specialist with uh, natural uh, gas pipelines. He's got a great opportunity to be able to have a job and to be able to reach out. And then we have uh, we have this. This is an interesting. This is a doctors. They're both doctors. Uh, she is a family practitioner. He is a an infectious disease specialist, and they are field, feeling called to go long term, not to focus primarily on medicine, but to but do church planting with the secondary of that that secondary part. And so, you know, as we're as we're you see this up here, I want you to know this is the fruit of what God is doing through um, you know, what God is doing through your efforts of of your involvement with missions, your involvement with Valley Hope, your involvement with what's with what's happening. So um Let's see if we've got, oh, I was clicking backwards, wasn't I? This is, just briefly, this is the basic way when we get in there. This is how we live out our full cycle church planning. I'm not going to go into it, but I want just you to look at it briefly here. Uh, to go, departure for the field, they go and learn language and culture. They do extraordinary prayer. And it, And really, all extraordinary prayer is just like praying one more time than you normally do, right? It becomes extraordinary, Um, which is simple how to have an extraordinary prayer life is just pray one more time tomorrow than you did today and then you're set um, but th- it is an intentional a lot of prayer over what you're doing uh, they so broadly they go out into the community they're trying to meet people and go hey they're looking for uh, ways for to make connections with people they develop growing networks of locals that's like through the discovery Bible study they get a little network hey you want to read my holy scriptures or let's just talk let's talk stuff together they're looking for that and then they focus on Persons of peace and family networks. So when they get a few people that the Holy Spirit has has come into, you know, it, it can connect. That, that kind of goes towards when Jesus sent out the two um, and he said, don't go house to house. He was saying, hey, if you find one house where, where something's clicking, stay there and, and connect up with them. And that's kind of where what we're doing. That's what we're doing as we try to plant churches. Um, I want to bring it all back around here to, to here, to this Swannano Valley. This is where we live. This is our world right there. Woo! It's amazing. Beautiful valley. Do you know you can take New York City and fit right in the Swannano Valley? It's about the same size. We're really blessed that we don't have like 9 million people living here. We, we have so few. But in, the, in that so fewer number of people, there's a lot of people who need someone to become a new neighbor to them. Most of you are not called to go long term. All of you are called to live here in your work and what you're called to do. God has brought you here for a reason. He is wanting you to very much get connected to the vision statement that this church has. This This is Valley Hope's mission statement. Valley Hope is a people who want to see the kingdom of Jesus transform that valley. And this is what we say. We say Valley Hope envisions that transformation happening through people shaped by the gospel, community, discipleship, and mission. And, you know, I think we have a lot that we can celebrate. This church is, has done really wonderfully. Uh, it's not perfectly, but wonderfully. we we'll how to reach out to the Black Mountain Children's Home. Specifically, there's some families here that have learned how to really interlink themselves with it, not just a one-time, but to interlink with it actively, ongoing, week by week. We, we also are involved with wildlife and young life. That's middle school and high school outreach to the campuses. Some of us have been able to get in and actively be a little more involved than just a one-time dropping off uh, you know, stuff for the teachers or buying a wreath. But we really are trying to do that. And we local schools, we're involved in the local schools. Some of us are finding ways to interlock ourselves in there. And then Montreat College, you know, we have Pastor Rachel tune who is going uh, to tr- be trying to uh, get us to reach out to the co- college campus. And, and globally, again, globally, you guys are supporting it tremendously. We do believe there's going to be some coming out of here. And. But I, I, I want us to just pause for a moment to, I want to press you a little bit and ask you, when was the last time you talked to a not yet believer about Jesus Christ? And this is a question I think we need to, our elders need to ask themselves. When was the last time I talked to a not yet believer about Jesus Christ? Um, uh, how am I built? In relationships with people? How am I being a welcoming neighbor to neighbors who are new in my community? How often am I getting out of my normal path that if I'm not talking to people about Jesus is obviously not a path that's reaching the valley? It is paramount that if you believe that Jesus has covered your sins and he's made you perfectly new and that he's providing you an eternal presence with God the Father in a new kingdom where sickness and prejudice and hunger and all these terrible things will no longer exist, that we don't hold it in. That we say, I'm going to... Try and meet a new neighbor. And maybe for you, maybe you're, this is like you're going, it's not here, it's there, it's there. Either way, can we go? We're not to, meant to do this alone. We're meant to do this in a covenant community. And we are. It, the structures are there. But for sure, there's hindrances. There's fear. There's some of our past that has caused things to be more difficult. I say that as a person who's almost 60, wanting to apologize for my generation. That sort of made Christianity this big stadium place that you try to get someone to go to. It's wonderful what has happened in these places where this broad event. But we've lost our door-to-door, neighbor-to-neighbor way of being Jesus, reflecting Jesus for other people. And so I, 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 want, I really hope this, Valley Hope, let's keep the heart of what this church has started with, going into the Black Mountain community and becoming the hands and feet of Jesus, whether it be having coffee or sitting down with a pint of beer. When I was in Africa with Rick King, one of the weirdest things that we had to do, we went on a pub crawl. And I saw it on our list and I thought, that's going to be awesome. Until we got there in Masase. And it was this it, the, the, the pubs were in this uh, slum area. And there were these mud huts. And there were people sitting around these buckets of, of mash that was making high grain alcohol that you would drink out of a straw. And you'd just get drunk. And you could go from one. And we, our task was to go and have conversation, Jesus conversations with them. It was the hardest most wonderful day of my life. <laughs> one, we tried to taste the stuff, and wow, like, no, it's like, because you, you got to go in there and go, hey, yo, okay. Yo. <laughs> they enjoyed enjoy laughing at you. Um, but this is what, it, it, none of this is easy. It isn't easy. And there's internal and external things that are trying to stop this, but I do believe this, that God is on the march. He's one to bring the people back to him. And he has already given us a great start. Let's not lose that. Let's continue. I thank you for supporting World Outreach. Again, stop by. By the way, if you're called to go long term, there's a list out there on this table of places that we need people. There's some amazing places. We we need someone to start an entrepreneur mountaineering business in Nepal. I believe Montreal College should have somebody that could start this reaching uh, people up in the northern India. Um, but if, for that, and I think for sure you've already seen some announcement, but um, I want to just close in prayer and just ask that the Holy Spirit would come now and uh, continue what Paul was preaching about here and around the world. Let's pray. And y'all grab a hand of somebody next to you because we're family. This is the family of God, even if you don't know that person. <sighs> Father, I pray you'd forgive me for my rambling and my noisiness. But you're a God that is crying for our world. You're crying from the moment that you had to to remove them from the garden. You've been crying as you sent Jesus, your son. You've been crying since you came into our life. You've been crying. As you see, some of us have lost a lot of our belief and we're just holding on to a little bit. Lord, I know that you're a good, good father. And that you grieve for this huge mass where Satan has locked them in to a dark beliefs that Jesus can complete. He can make what the Hindus are looking for it is in Jesus. What the Muslims are looking for It's in Jesus Father, what the animists are looking for, it's in Jesus. What the secular atheists in this community are looking for. They're, they're looking for real wholeness and authentic people. It, we can find it in Jesus. Father, would you move through this church? Lord, as you bless us with this building, don't let this building be our anchor. Lord, if we need to be church-based, home-based churches, then let it be in whatever way it is. Lord, let you reach Swananoa Valley. With the grace and beauty of a holy God that draws together your children into a coming kingdom where our tears will be wiped away, where the fullness of life will be restored and where our true beauty will be released. Lord, I just pray that you would help it to come. Lord, I pray that as we end this prayer, too, that we would be awakened with life. And that we're the fragrance of Jesus, and that you would make us more fragrant, that you would protect us from the evil one, and, Lord, that you would give us more of your Holy Spirit. Father, pour out your Holy Spirit upon this congregation in whatever way, in signs and wonders, and, Lord, and, Father, help belief. Lord, re-remind us of the gospel. Lord, I just praise you, and I thank you for the privilege to stand before my brothers and sisters, and I pray that hand in hand we will go forward and celebrate and live life. Lord, I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.